Dr. Warren E. Meeks Sr. presents this inspirational, challenging, and life-changing message to encourage, inspire, and motivate you to keep marching towards your destiny. Now, Dr. Warren E. Meeks Sr. Our lesson series, A Call to Godly Living. A Call to Godly Living. And the very thing that challenged us from, from failure of not living a godly life is the pressure or the waves or the desires or the appetites of the world. And the Bible said we're in this world, but we're not of this world. The tools of the world should not dominate our living. Amen. Not dominate our commitment to God in Jesus name. And so here in, 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 in Romans chapter number 12, um, verse 1 and 2 is our foundational text. I'm going to read in the Amplify, and then I'm going to spend briefly just recapping, then we're going to get into some new stuff today. And, and, and Paul admonishes and makes a serious appeal to the church at Rome. He, he's talking to these people because they was going through various things in life, you know, from, from being joyful, for, for being persuaded fashionably by the world and, and, and going through trouble and then being delivered from trouble. And God is saying, Paul said, look here, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. You got to understand that. Regardless of what you do, there's not mercy that would not cover and bring you back into the goodness of God. There's always mercy and grace for you. Amen. It says to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated and well pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual warfare. Other words, Paul is not saying I don't need the physical act that you're right. I don't need the physical act that you're holy. He said, I want you to be holy in your soul, spirit, mind, and body. He said, I want all of you to present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. Empty out your, your self-perceived, self-conceived ways and take on the ways of God. God said he knows us better. And so, therefore, if he knows us better, he loves us so that he has plans for us. In Jeremiah, he said, I got plans for you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a good future. And so I have to really trust God. And God cannot operate like that in our lives if we're straddling the fence. So we got to present ourselves to God. Say, I got to present myself to God. A living sacrifice. I got to give God all that I have and all that I am. Amen. Amen. Now, it says here, verse number two is really important because you have to you have to exercise the principles of verse number two in order for you to execute what God is demanding in verse one. Verse number two says, do not be conformed to this world, this age fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs but be transformed changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideas and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourselves 
what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect, uh, perfect in his sight for you. So God wants to use us to prove his existence. God wants to show off through us to let a dying world know that he's still alive. He chose you. And it's not by accident or coincidence. He know all about your past. He know all about your dark secrets. He know about those skeletons in the closet. He really know how you think. You may fool me or fool us, but you can never fool God. But in the breath of all of that, God is saying, I need you to prove my existence. And so therefore, we have to make this shift in our mind. To think God, to believe God, because you've been trained the majority of your life. You've been trained to live like the world unless you've been brought up in a Christian um, household from birth. But still, when you leave the house, your workplace or school place, you're dominated by, you know, the external things in life. You got it. And so you have to make a conscious effort to change how you think. And you can really know how a person think by what come out their mouth. See, I got, I, I got to thank God. I, I have to breathe this, this, this Lord. I have to change my mind on purpose. And, and it's only one vehicle that allow new information to come in to replace the old information is there. And that is the word of God. If you don't saturate your life on a daily basis... Getting instructions and knowing God in this word. Then you will fail as a Christian sooner or later. If you want to know the heart of God and the passion of God and the emotions of God, read the Old Testament. If you want to know the regiments of God, the structure of God, the system of God and the rules of God, then read the New Testament. But sometimes we really need to know God's heart. And you get that from the Old Testament. God expresses himself throughout the Testaments. You got it. And the more we understand the do's and the don'ts of God, the more we can adapt ourselves and adapt our thinking to please God. Amen. And so here we also talked about last week. It is our responsibility to mature ourselves in the faith. To mature ourselves in holiness. Second Corinthians 7 and 1. It is our responsibility to develop ourselves to be mature in holiness. To be mature in righteousness. Oh, I, I, I have to really explain something to you real quickly. Um, John put, put, it, put it clearly. That um, it's too late for you to enjoy your, your former life. Once you've been connected to the vine, the Bible says, no longer can you do what you used to do. I'm not saying you can't do it, but you won't get the same joy that you got from it before you met God. You feel miserable and you feel incomplete. You feel a void in your life and, and you think if you could slang it harder, it's going to fill the void. I beg the difference. You ain't going to never fill that void because it's unfillable without God. So tell your neighbor, once in, always in, I might as well stay in. And then we talked about God demands holiness and we must have the courage 
to live holy. That's a serious statement. You have to have the courage. That's why first John tells us about be bold. You have to have the courage to be righteous. You have to have the courage to be saved. You have to because people put pressure on you and challenge your faith. They even challenge your God. Based on your behavior and what you used to do and how you might react to a certain situation. Based on how you're living now. See, you cannot allow this to play on your mind. To have you spiritually downtrodden like, you know, God ain't blessing you. The devil is a lie. You have to focus yourself and call those things to be not as though they were. We have that God kind of faith in Jesus name. And so we have to understand also that God has called us to godly living. So therefore, we must make a choice. It's a choice. It is a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice that we must make. If you don't have a bold resolve that you have to make this choice, then you're going to be in trouble. Well, let, let me show you some stuff. Let us go to the book of Genesis here. The book of Genesis, chapter number um, 18. The book of Genesis here. Chapter 18. You probably know the story, but I'm going to tell the story again because it's very apparent that um, we have to make a choice to live right. We have to make a choice. I got to make a choice. I got to make my mind up. Here, here in, in, in the book of um, Genesis chapter 18, I'm going to read some verses, but just let's, let me give you an overview of, of, what's, of what's going on here. God has become to be frustrated with, with a, a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. You know about Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah is, is known as sin cities. And, you know, you, you, you heard of Las Vegas, right? Um, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um, well, that's how Sodom and Gomorrah was amplified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's how it was. And, and, so, and so here, here, let us look at, at verse number 20, um, 18 and 20. It says, and the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grievous to him. And so here, here, God is talking to, um, he, he, he's talking to Abraham and he's telling Abraham that I'm getting ready to destroy this city. I'm getting ready to destroy them. Now, 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 this is a call to righteousness and we must make a right choice. Now, you just, 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 just stay with me now. And so, and so um, Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know who Lot is. Um, um, that's the um, Abraham nephew. And he had a wife and he had two um, kids and they was married to two guys. So he had two son-in-laws and they was all in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, the fun city. Gambling and hustling and you know, and players and you, you, you know, you, can you imagine what it was about? How many heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? How, how many have heard of that place? Even, even Matthew had stated in, in, in the gospel, he said in the last days, there should be perilous times and that it, it should be like Gomorrah. Uh, and so, so that you have to understand what, 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 what the, the fight was there. They lived a life with no restraints. They, they lived a life like they, they had a bold disregard for God. I said a bold disregard for God. 
It was like, God, if you real, then stop me from fornicating right now. That's that's the attitude they had. Stop me from hustling and tricking folks and, and, and beating up folks. I mean, they was totally out of control. Sodom and Gomorrah. And so here, and so, and so Abraham talked to God. He said, look here, God, you cannot destroy that, you know, because there, there's some righteous in the city. And now verse 26, I'm just going to skip through verse 26 to, to verse um, 32, just to give you what was going on here. And, it said, and the Lord said, if I find, if I find in Sodom of 50 righteous within the city, I will spare that place for their sake. And so Abraham started thinking, he said, "Uh oh, that's a whole lot of people. Isn't that something? We can't find 50 righteous people in a city that's for pleasure. You got to understand what's going on now. Pleasure. Living life like you, like, 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 like the flesh want to live it. Watch this here. Uh, um, go down to um, verse 28. I'm just going to read the latter part. He said, if I find there 40 and 5, I would not destroy. God has responded. And then verse 29, you know, if there shall be 40, you know, I would not destroy. It went down to verse 30. If there's 30, I would not destroy. Verse 31, if there's 20 found, I would not dis- destroy it. And then they got all the way down to the number 10. If there's 10 in there, I would not destroy it. But you know the story, it was not 10. It wasn't even one. But due to the covenant that Abraham and Lot had, being kin folks, kindreds, the only, the only response that Abraham can do is go warn his kin folks to get from up out of there. See? Isn't that something that you have somebody righteous praying over you, watching over you while you acting a fool? And the reason why God didn't destroy you is because of, you know, that kinfolk. It don't have to be mama or, or, or daddy. It could be uncle or auntie. You understand what I'm saying? And so the only thing that Abraham had left is, is to go warn his nephew to get from up out of there. Amen. And so, and so let us look at um, Genesis chapter number 19. Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, you know, it, it was, you got to understand that there was some serious instructions here. The angel instructed Lot to tell Lot that when you escape there, don't look back. He said one of the primary objectives for you to leave where you either loved or desired that was against God is don't look back. Once God deliver you from a detrimental, destructive lifestyle, God encourages you not to look back. You got to realize that here, here, you know, he's saying, look here, don't you idolize your former lifestyle. There's too many of us idolize our former lifestyles. Now, this is some serious stuff. You, you think you're still 30. You think you're still 25. You know, you, we got to stop being immature and live a mature life. In Jesus' mighty name. Here, you don't got old. Now you want to be a playboy. That's, come on now. That just don't fit. And I'm going to show you that. that, that, that. Here, verse 17 says... 
Verse 19 and 17 says what? And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape from thy life, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in, 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 in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. So this puts strong emphasis that once I escape from what God delivered me, if I miss it, if I relish it, if I keep thinking about it, if I look back on it, there's a strong possibility that it could consume me. And I find myself doing that thing that I used to do that's displeasing God. Oh, because I started thirsting and lusting after my former glory days. Because you got to understand what triggers that. Well, things might not be going the way that you want to go in life. But that doesn't stop God from blessing you. You just have to have a little patient. Let patient have her perfect work in you. But you're trying to fix things. You, you're trying to arrange things. And then you find yourself hooked up with the wrong people. And so you got to understand, are you still at 19? I want to show you something because here, here, look here. The only ones that made it out. Well, well let, let me read this, this verse here. 24 and 26, are you there? It says, then the Lord rained upon what? Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from what? The Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife, Lot wife, what did she do? The Bible said she looked back. Say she looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Now you got to understand the reason why she looked back. I'm telling you the reason why she looked back is because she missed what she was doing. See, the reason why you missed back is because what's working for you now ain't working. And so now you're trying to drum up some new instructions. God instructed them not to look back. God instructed you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to him. What are you looking back for? You ran from the lifestyle that you had because it was giving you trouble. You get saved and you get sanctified. Then all of a sudden you want to run back. And you find yourself. The Bible says when you do that, seven more demons enter into you that's worse than before. And your former state becomes worse than the. So you can't play. Say I can't play with, with my former lifestyle if it wasn't pleasing God. You, you, you can say that. You can, you can say that. That's the trouble with people. You get saved and you lose your affection. You, you, you lose your, your passion. You, you lose your love for God. You forget about the pain that you was in. The discomfort you was in. All because God blessed you and put you on easy street. Now you forget the effort. You forget the tears that you that, that, that you cried and at the altar. You understand. You got inundated by this and that. You just forgot. 
God is calling us for holiness. God forbid he bless you with stuff. Then your head become like a balloon. You lose your passion to serve folks. You lose your passion to minister to folks. We can't look back. What you want to look back for? The Bible said it's like a dog returning to its vomit. After you have tasted the goodness of God. Lot's wife was never mentioned again in the history of the Bible. And not only that, a choice had to be made here. The the warning came to Lot family, came to Lot, his wife, his two daughters and two son-in-laws. The two son-in-laws was not mentioned no more in the Bible because they decided to stay in Sin City. They could not believe that God would destroy such a people. But you got to realize that God didn't destroy them. They destroyed themselves by making the wrong choice to stay in sin. And so she looked it back. I wonder what was going on in her mind. Did, what did she miss? What was so great that she would disobey God? What was so pressing on her spirit that she de- desired for and craved for and lust for even when she was escaping to freedom? It's all because I think that you don't know God. You don't believe God. See, if you believe God, that would, that if God said, I'm going to kill you right now out those doors, if you don't get saved. What would you do? You say that now. But most likely you treat your, your life like a little throw of the dice. Maybe he ain't talking now. Maybe he's talking tomorrow. I got time. I could get it right some other day. What is he calling me for? I have nothing. It ain't about what you got. God want to use you as a testimony. And so his wife immediately became to be stuck in her past. Oh, go to the book of Deuteronomy quickly, quickly, quickly. See, a lot of us is stuck. You're stuck in your past. You're stuck and you can't get out. That's why you, you are, you are, you are repeated sinners. Yeah, you have repeated felonies. You're repeated sinners. You always find yourself sinning and doing the same sin. That's because you're stuck. You're stuck. And if you ain't careful, watch this here. Are you there in the book of um, Deuteronomy chapter 30? Come on, get there. I, I, want you, I want you to get this. Chapter 30. Chapter 30. Tell somebody, it's, it's, I got to make the right choice. Say, I got to make the right choice. It is my responsibility to make the choice. I'm serving you right now. You have to make the choice to live right. You have to make the choice to, to live like God wants you to live. It is your decision. And God has given you the power to make the right decision. If you really think that you're going to die if you make a bad decision, then you will make the right choice all the time. But a lot of you don't believe. Watch this here. Watch this here. Are you there? Are you there? Let us, let us look at, at verse 15 and 17. It says what? See what? 
I have what? Say this day. What? Life and good. Death and evil. In that I command thee. He said in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God. To walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments. That thou mayest live and multiply. That thou may what? Live and multiply. That thou may what? Live and multiply. Thou may what? Live and what? Multiply. How do I live and multiply? By me, me what? Keeping God's statutes, keeping his commandments, loving God, obeying God, giving my whole body a living sacrifice to God, presenting myself. If I do that, the Bible say I shall live and multiply. The reason why we ain't multiplying is because we live one day, we die another day. Live one day, die another day. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. I'm on this roller coaster, emotional thing that I don't know where God is. You got to get your mind right. Get your mind consistent. Don't let people play with your emotions. We don't. And it says what? And it says what? He said, I will live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whether thou goest to possess it. That tells me there's a blessing on me living right. There's a blessing on me that, 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 that once I present myself to God, then God is obligated to do something in my life. He's obligated to bless me where I live. He's obligated to multiply my life. He's obligated to keep me in good standing. God is obligated to blessing me. Say he's obligated to blessing me. Now, go down to verse number 17. Watch this here now. I mean 19. 19. Watch this here. It says, I will what? To do what? That what? That I have set before you life and death, blessings and what? Therefore what? That what? This tells me that I just don't live for myself. My kids is only going to be right if I leave a legacy or inheritance of good living. Living right. So you think you're supposed to just leave your kids a truckload of money and they go out there and blow it the next day, you know. No, it's your lifestyle that will impact their life forever. How mom did it, how dad did it. When dad got in this trouble, how he called on the Lord and the Lord did this for him. When mama got uptight and called on the Lord and the Lord came in. And so I seen the result of God working in their life. So I might as well imitate the same thing and let me call on the Lord. Let me live right. I seen my dad turn down this and turn down that because it wasn't right. It was of the world. And now I see my dad blessed. You know, I had to wait to see him blessed, but he's blessed. So when my time come, when things don't look right, when it look like everything going against me, I just need to buckle down and button up my seatbelts and just weigh this tan out and keep calling on the Lord. Because God got to answer. We're not exempt from situations and problems and troubles and challenges in life. The, the bottom line is we win them all. It ain't we win a few. I win a few here. I win a few. Here. No, when you are sold out for God, I don't care. Is the deepest pain, the deepest cut or the deepest sorrow. God will make what the enemy meant for evil. God said, I'll turn that thing for good because you are my child. 
Oh my God, my God. But see, you got to be sold out. You got to know this stuff. You got to talk to yourself. We need to take a page out what David said. David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. He ain't pulled what Lot wife did. Still craving for authority. Craving for fleshly things. Craving to do this and craving to do that. Oh no. A lot of us is stuck in our sins. Oh, we're stuck. We're stuck. And, 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 and let me tell you something. God will help you be stuck too. Oh, oh you don't believe that? I'm, I'm glad you're looking at me like that. I'm going to show you. I'm glad. Go to the book of Romans here. Oh, God will he'll help you stay stuck. As bad as he want to bless you, if you keep up this foolishness, if you keep up this reckless behavior, this dangerous living, God will call you lot wife and have your addiction consume you. Because God said, I'd rather have you consume than you spread venom and mess up a lot of other folks. So you got to understand that, see, this is personal to God. He can't have you contaminating good people. Here you riding around your new Cadillac in your new home and you hauling your tail to the nightclub and you picking up the phone calling your Christian sister or brother. Enticing them of what they missing. You see, I'm still blessed, but I'm getting my groove on. And that's messing your witness up. That's messing your, your, your boldness up. That's wearing you down. That's why you got to have your mind made up and cut them off. You don't got to subject your spirit to that. Uh, one of my friends came to my house one day, uh, you know, um, yeah, one of my best friends. And uh, he, he knew I was saved, you know, and, and I wanted to be saved. So he came to my house. I told this story before, I think. He came to my house with what we used to do all through high school. He had the bottle and other stuff. Came to my house, knocked on my door. And said, come on, man, let's go hang out. I said, hang out, what, what are you talking about? He said, I got the stuff here. Showed it to me. I said, look here, man. I'm sold out for God. I don't do that no more. So you need to get from up out of here. And guess what he said? He said, I came by here to see was you really saved. That's what he said out of his mouth. I came by here to see was you really saved. I said, I'm really saved. And for you, don't you never come to my house unless you're saved. That's what I told him. That's what I told him. You get from up out of here. And that was one of my best friends. You get from up out of here. Because you're trying to encourage me to destroy my life. You're trying to entice me. To go against God. After God delivered me from all my struggles. All my hurt. All the things that was just messing me up. God took me out the gutter. Cleaned me up. I want to be delivered from that. I want to be delivered from that. I used to cry because I didn't know how to get delivered from it. One day he got a hold of me. And, and I dare you to try to have me to go back to my vomit. Oh no, oh no. You get away from me, Satan. Oh no, you cannot entice me. My God, my God. 
Who's blowing in your ear telling you the wrong things? Watch this here. Watch this here. Romans chapter number one. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Listen to hold your seatbelts. Now hold your belts on because you're going to see something about God that you didn't realize. We're going to start at verse number 21 here. Verse 21 said, because when they knew and recognized him as God, Romans chapter one, verse 21. Watch this here now, because I'm about to show you the danger of making the wrong choice. I'm getting ready to show you the danger of you denying God that you want to serve another God. Folks, look at me. You can only there's only two people you can serve God and the devil. Ain't no in between. You either save or you're not saved. And if you're not saved, you're serving the devil. It ain't no ifs, ands, and buts about it. You're probably saying, well, I'm good. Well, you're good serving the devil. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Because if you don't serve God, you're going to miss heaven. You got it? It ain't, it ain't no three options. You only got two options. Unfortunately, you only got two options. You're either all the way in or you're out. Because the Bible said in the book of Revelation, God said, look, he talked to the church at Laodicea. He said, look here, you know, I got an issue with you. I got a problem with you. You have become to be lukewarm Christians. And so since you're lukewarm Christians, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Other words, a lukewarm Christian causes God to throw up. That's, that's what the Bible say. Ain't nothing what I say. That's what the Bible say. How many lukewarm Christians are in the house? Raise your hand. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. I see you at the altar. Watch this here. My God, my God. You are in a dangerous situation when you cannot make up your mind that I want to live holy. Because when you say that, this is what you're saying to God. When I say that I don't want to live holy, I'm saying I don't trust him. I'm saying I don't believe what his word says. I have difficulty accepting what his word says. His word cannot be true. But if I make my mind up and say, oh, I got to live for God because I had enough agony living my own life the way I wanted to live to no success. I trust God. I believe in God. What's this here? Are you there? What's this here? What did I tell you? Verse number what? It says, because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or gave him thanks. But instead, they became fruitile and godless in their thinking with vain imagination, foolish reasoning and stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made symptoms of themselves. Verse 23. And by them, the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God was exchanged for the re- for for and represented by images resembling mortal man and birds and beasts and reptiles. Therefore, verse 24 says, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts. God gave them up. Other words, sooner or later, God is going to get tired of you in and out. Tired of you making a mockery out of his greatness and his strength. 
tired of you not knowing what you want to do because you want to fulfill the lust of your flesh. God is going to get tired of that and he's going to allow you to be consumed by your own lust. I know this is not a popular message, but it's one you're going to hear. My God, my God. And, you, and the thing about that is you don't know when God is going to give you over. And then you won't even think about repentance no more. You're going to be all out. And your latter state is much worse than the former or the first. No peace. You become to be wilder than what you used to be. Now you're cussing everybody out. Even the priests. Watch this here. Watch this here. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, ever, ever. Say amen. We cannot get to that point where we challenge God. God will allow you to be consumed of what you're full of. And what you're full of is the very thing you want to escape from. My God. Since you're still in the book of Romans, let me give you some gravy so we could close out. Because I'm out of time. But let me give you two more scriptures. Chapter number six. Chapter number six. There's a couple of more scriptures I want to read, though. Wow. If you want to know what God can give you up to. Verse 26 of chapter number one, Amplified. For this reason, God gave them up or abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. Vile affections and degrading passions. For their women exchanged their natural function for unnatural and abandoned one. And the men also turned from natural relations with women and were set ablaze, burning out, consumed with the lust for one another. Men committing shameful acts with men and suffering in their own bodies and personalities and the inedible consequences and penalty of their wrongdoings and going astray, which was their fitting retribution. And so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or prove of him or consider him worth the knowledge, the, the knowing, God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do those, to do things not proper and or decent, but lawsome. God turned these people over to a reprobated mind. Reprobate saying that I'm just incapable of doing what God wants me to do. Watch this here now. It's mighty quiet, mighty quiet. Until they were filled. Permanent and saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, iniquity, grasping and covetousness, greed and malice. They were 
full of evil and jealousy, murder, strife, deceit and treachery, ill will and cruel ways. They were um, secret backbiters <laughs> and gossipers, slanders, hateful to and hating God, full of, of, of isolation, arrogance and boasting, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient and, un, and undaunting to parents. They were without understanding, consciousness and faithless, heartless and loveless and merciless. That is some serious stuff. It is mighty quiet. Mighty quiet. All because we chose to disobey God and serve other things other than God. God said, I will turn you over. I will just let you go. And once God lets you go, you're going to have to work hard just to make a nickel. Your life is going to be hard. Everything you do, you ain't going to have no, no grace or no, no anointing on it. No favor. Everything you do, it comes hard. And it looks like life is so hard that you don't want to live life no more. You spend more time crying and more time fretful, more time wondering than having a peaceful, happy life. All because you chose sin over God and you know God. You can't stop yourself from doing those detrimental things in life. That's because God said, OK, have it your way. You have no power. See, it takes power within to combat sin and flesh. It takes the anointing. It takes commitment. It takes faithfulness to live the way God wants us to live. Let me kill a notion. Being saved is not boring. We have the time of our lives. It's fun being saved. The only thing that we don't do is drink, cuss, fornicate, lie, cheat, and steal. You shouldn't do that anyway. You don't get no pleasure out of doing those things while you're doing them. Why would you have those things negate you from living a life fulfilled by God? Watch this here. 6 and 14 says, I'm going to read it in Amplified. 6 and 14 says, for sin shall not what? You have to understand this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Grace comes with power and authority to stop you from sinning. Grace exposes the loving kindness of God. I love God more. That I love sin. I choose God versus my former things I used to lust for. See, I got to get my mind to believe what God said in His Word. I got to get this mind together. You got to be tired of always living life behind the eight ball. You got to be 
tired of always struggling. Who told you that you're supposed to struggle all the days of your life? The devil is a lie. It's too much prosperity in this word. It's too much multiplying in this word. It's too many blessings in this word. Who told you you're supposed to be like that all your life? Sooner or later, you're supposed to smile and don't be persuaded to smile. Watch this here, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to go back to 17. Watch this here. 1 in 17. I'm going to close on this note. 1 in 17. Then I'm going to have an altar call. And you, and, and you need to be real. You got to say, I got to be real. I, I got to be real. I got to be real. You know, th- th- this is how we, we live this life. You know, uh, King James says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is how you defeat sin and defeat lust and defeat challenges of going back to sin. Is we have to live our life according to what the Bible says. Amplified says it this way. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes. Ex- ex- is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith leading to faith disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith as it is written the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith that's how we live this life we live this life by faith And if you don't know what faith says, you can't live a good life. I got to know what God said in his word. And if I know that God will not abandon his word, will not go against his word, then I know every circumstance, every situation, I win. Thank you for supporting the media ministry of Newborn Fellowship Christian Center. One church in two locations with senior pastor Dr. Warren E. Meeks Sr. and Pastor Perdita Meeks. Dr. Meeks would love for you to visit and fellowship when you are in the Rochester, New York area. For service times or to order other inspiring messages or books, please write to P.O. Box 1109, Webster, New York 14580 or call our office at 585-342-5020 or visit us online at www.newbornfellowship.org.